Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our Greenbrier campus. Thanks for listening. We're talking this morning about leadership. Um, Our world is obsessed with leadership. Have you noticed that? I don't know if it's always been this way or if it's just a new thing that's, that's kind of taken on, but like it's just an obsession with leadership. Like we, we celebrate leaders, we put them on platforms, we read all their books and different things like that. There's, um, there's a whole genre, if you were, were to walk into a bookstore, um, on leadership, right? There's leadership books by top leaders, there's podcasts that we listen to. People are obsessed with leadership. Um, in fact, if you Google the term how to be a good boss, it'll bring back over two billion results, two billion. Um, but I saw a stat this week, a study um, that said that, that 35% of employees say that they feel uninspired by their boss. So somewhere there's a disconnect that's happening, right, between all the podcasts and all the books and how people actually feel. There's some kind of disconnect that's, that's happening, but our world is obsessed with leadership, and sometimes doesn't it feel like our world is obsessed with bad leadership? Like, we have a, a hard time being able to discern who's worth following and, and who's not, right? But leadership is everywhere. It's in your job, uh, your schools, um, our government, you know, this week was a big week in our government uh, and the election of new officials. And, and so there's also leadership in our churches. All of us, in, in some form or another, you're a leader uh, in some way, either at your company or, or in your home, right? You, you are leaders. And so I hope in every single one of those categories, you know, job, work, school, um, government, church, I hope that you can think of good leaders. Like I hope somebody good comes to your mind in those categories, but stories come out every single week of corrupt politicians, uh, crooked church leaders, different podcasts will come out about different things that have happened in churches, people who have been overtaken by sin. And so today we're talking about bad leadership. Bad leadership, how do we identify it and how do we avoid it, right? So if you have a Bible, open, open it with me to Micah chapter three. Micah is, uh, it's in the Old Testament. It's a small little book there towards the end of the Old Testament. And, and today we're gonna start just a, a three-week series. I told you last week it was gonna be a two-week series and I was wrong, uh, which is actually one of the points today about twisting truth. And so I wasn't intentionally doing that. Um, but uh, we're gonna be in it for three weeks and then we're starting the book of John. But today uh, our fourth study in our Minor Prophets um, study is the book of Micah. And the context is a lot of the same. Like if you've been with us over the past few weeks, we've talked about uh, these different minor prophets and all of them deal with, um, uh, there's some kind of sin that's happening with God's people. The prophets address those things and encourage them to turn back to God. And that's, that's what's happening here. And the passage today, Micah chapter three, addresses leaders, uh, civil leaders, so people in the streets, and then also church leaders. That's, that's what we see. Now see, God had set up... Um, this judicial system. He did it back in the book of Deuteronomy, um, and it was a system that was intended to take care of his people, to guide people um, in, in fairness and in truth, right? 
And, and so he set up judges, and he set up priests, and he set up prophets to take care of the people, that they were to do justice. All right, they were to take care of people. In fact, that's one of God's requirements for his people that comes from Micah chapter six, verse eight. It's probably the most popular verse in the book of Micah that you've probably heard. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? You've probably heard that verse, right? So do justice is one of the things that God has required of, of his leaders to do for his people. And in, the, in this morning, like the context of what's happening here is the leaders are corrupt. They're not taking care of people. Uh, they're not protecting them. In fact, they're destroying them for their own selfish gain. Okay, so that's what we're gonna see. Before we look at the text, I want us to pray. And uh, as you uh, are sitting there, why don't you just pray for yourself in this moment that God would speak to you as we jump into his word. Let's pray together. God, we want to uh, just come before you and we wanna ask God that you would speak to us this morning. Uh, God, I pray that uh, we would hear nothing that I would have to say, but everything that you would have to say to us. I pray that your spirit would, would reveal things to us that, that need to be shaped in our life and different areas of concern that maybe we need to put some focus on this morning. Would you speak? We're listening and we love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, Micah chapter three. Let's look at verse nine together. So all of chapter three is talking about bad leadership. The first four verses are talking about civil leaders. Uh, the next uh, five through eight is talking about church leaders. Verses nine through 12 is kind of summary of both, okay? So we're just gonna focus in on nine through 12. It says this, listen to this leaders of the house of Jacob, you rulers of the house of Israel who abhor justice and pervert everything that is right who build Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with injustice. Her leaders issue rulings for a bribe, her priests teach for payment, and her prophets practice divination for silver. Yet they lean on the Lord saying, isn't the Lord among us? No disaster will overtake us. Therefore, because of you, Zion will be plowed like a field, Jerusalem will become ruins, and the temple's mountain will be a high thicket. All right, that's what we're talking about this morning. Sounds intense, right? <laughs> and it is. So we're gonna see three qualities, three characteristics of bad leadership this morning. If you're taking notes, number one, bad leaders twist the truth. Bad leaders twist truth. In verse nine, it says, leaders of the house of Jacob, you rulers of the house of Israel who abhor justice and pervert everything that is right. That word pervert uh, means to distort or twist something that is true. Uh, this isn't like a, a pervert, you know, talking about something uh, creepy that a person might do. This is talking about twisting the truth, right? Twisting the truth from its original meanings. And, and that's what the leaders were doing. They were twisting the truth. Um, you can look at verse five. You can, you can see it earlier in the chapter that they were just uh, taking what was true, twisting it for their own personal gain, okay? And that's, that, that was happening then, and it happens now as well. Second Peter chapter two tells us that it was happening then and it will happen now. Look at Second Peter chapter two. Uh, it says this, there were indeed false prophets among the people, just as there will be false prophets among you. They will bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them and will bring swift destruction on themselves. Verse three then says, they will exploit you in their greed with made up stories. So it was happening then, it will be happening now. 
And so it's something that you and I need to watch for today, both in the city and in the church as well. Now, the thing about it is, is um, you know, sometimes leaders, uh, especially people who stand up on a, on a stage or in front of a microphone and talk for 30 minutes on end, uh, sometimes you can say something that is just factually incorrect by accident, right? It can happen, uh, happens to the best of us. Sometimes you can just say something that was a, an accident, something that was wrong, which by the way, that's why I encourage you to bring your Bible and fact check everything that I say every single Sunday. But these guys, it wasn't an accident. They were intentionally twisting the truth. They were intentionally twisting the truth for their own glory and their own gain. Again, you see that in, in verse five. And so here's the danger. Like here's what you and I need to wrestle with on this, the warning, I guess, is that we are often drawn towards false teaching because it tells us what we want to hear, right? We're often drawn towards false teaching because it tells us what we want to hear. When Micah is saying that these bad leaders were twisting the truth, he's also telling us, and the people were asking for it. If you look back in chapter two, uh, verse six, it says, hey, stop preaching at us, all that kind of stuff. And then down in verse 11, it says that the preachers started preaching about beer and wine. And, and Micah says, that's the kind of preacher that you deserve. Basically saying this, they're telling you what you wanted to hear. And you asked for it, right? You asked for it. Second uh, Timothy chapter four says, the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, they will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. According to your own desires, they will multiply more false teachers, more people twisting the truth because they actually tell you the things that you want to hear. Our culture will put up with the messenger if the message is what we want to hear, right? We will. That's how corrupt politicians are elected. That's how cults take root and are formed. That that guy has the message I like. So what if he's a terrible human being, right? They have the message that I like. See, somewhere along the way, um, we have just settled for this idea that the ends justify the means, right? And you can see it. Look in Washington, right? Look at the people that we choose to be our leaders. It's all about the message more than the person. Their character just doesn't matter anymore. And I understand, like our two-party system, and I, I understand all of those things, but we put up with the messenger because we like their, their message. So it's how corrupt politicians are elected, it's how cults take root, but it's also how narcissistic pastors destroy churches. Think about how churches choose leaders. It's all based off of resume and skill, right? Do I like their preaching? Do they have the education that, that, that matches up? There's not hardly any weight at all put on character. And if, if you look at the characteristics of an elder in 1 Timothy chapter three, the qualifications of an elder, I should say, only one out of like the 12 or 13 characteristics that are there deal with skill. Only one. The, the one skill is the ability to teach. The other 12 qualifications for an elder all deal with his character, right? But we typically look for skills in our leaders. 
talent, teaching ability, leadership skills, and we don't pay as much attention to their character. We care more about what he does and not so much about who he is, and that's dangerous. It is dangerous. So he's a pretty good teacher, but is he a nice guy, right? You know, the other qualifications of an elder that we should be looking at are, is he gentle? Is he not quarrelsome? Is he not a bully? Does he have a good reputation in the, in the city, right? Those are all qualifications for an elder. Does he, does he possess any of those or is he a jerk? And let me just tell you, there are a lot of great pastors, okay? A lot of great pastors. Uh, my pastor uh, in, in Edmond, Oklahoma, Griff Henderson, is one of the best guys I've ever met. Genuinely, same person on stage and off stage. He's an amazing man. But there are a lot of pastors today who are pretty great at communicating the Bible but are complete jerks when they step off the stage. It's just true. I'm in that world, I promise you, it is just true. When we focus on a leader's message or their abilities over their character, we are fertilizing the soil where dangerous leadership will grow, right? And so bad leaders twist the truth. And we need to be careful because we have an ear that wants to hear it, right? Number two, bad leaders hurt people. Bad leaders hurt people. Look at verse 10 of Micah chapter three. It says they build Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with injustice. Now, earlier in the book of uh, Micah, the chapter three of, of Micah, he uses a picture of cannibalism or of a wild animal devouring its prey to describe what the people we're doing to other people, right? Cannibalism or a wild animal destroying somebody. Verse, uh, verses one through three of chapter three, look at that. It says, then I said, now listen, leaders of Jacob, you rulers of the house of Israel, aren't you supposed to know what is just? You hate good and love evil. You tear off people's skin and strip their flesh from their bones. You eat the flesh of my people after you strip their skin from them and break their bones. You chop them up like flesh for a cooking pot, like meat in a cauldron. In that moment, he is talking to judges and kings and, and civil leaders, people who are supposed to know justice, right? They're supposed to take care of people. And he says, aren't you supposed to know what is just? And it's a rhetorical question to say, you are supposed to know what is right and what is just, but you are using people and you're hurting them, right? In fact, it goes directly against, again, the most famous verse in Micah, Micah 6, 8, what does the Lord require of you but to act justly? And these so-called leaders were not doing the very thing that God put them there to do. Instead of caring for people, they were destroying them. And that's how this evil world is. It's just dog eat dog. That's what you see in verses two and, and three there. You run over whoever you need to run over in order to get wherever it is you're going, right? That's, that's the world that we live in. But you and I are supposed to be different. We are. Uh, Micah 3, 2 says, you hate good and love evil. But what does Paul say in Romans chapter 12? says, let your love be genuine, says, uh, says, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. It's the exact opposite of Micah 3.2, right? Um, 
love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. That's how we're supposed to care for one another, right? We follow the, the example, example of our Savior and, and how he treated people. And so, so please don't, don't miss this. You can't call yourself a follower of Christ and treat people like trash. You can't. And so... Um, Let's just talk about this for a moment. Maybe you've been hurt by a leader. Maybe you've been hurt by a, a boss or a coach or a judge or somebody in law enforcement or maybe you've been hurt by somebody who is supposed to protect you. Maybe you've been hurt by a church leader, right? Maybe you have some kind of church hurt. And I just wanna say on that, um, man, I'm sorry. It's not the way that it's supposed to be. Um, it's not. And I've experienced it too. About six years or so, I guess, uh, ago, um, I moved my family from friends and family and, and the only home we've ever known in Oklahoma and we moved to uh, Northwest Louisiana. And we moved there um, to take a job at a church there, I won't say the name of the church, um, but in the Shreveport-Bossier area. And um, it was just a horrible two years, it was really hard. Uh, it, was, it was tough. It was a toxic uh, staff environment, toxic church environment. Tons of people were hurt, right? Tons of staff members have left. Tons of church members have left. There's lawsuits involved. I mean, it was a, it was a bad situation that all hinges on, on leadership, right? I'm not going to go into any of the details on it this morning, but I've been there. I've experienced that. And so if you can step back from the situation a bit, it's important to remember that churches are full of people, right? And people are broken and they're sinful, including pastors, including pastors. Pastors sin, pastors are on a sanctification journey just like you are, pastors struggle with things like you, sin like you, have insecurities like you, lose their cool at home like you, uh, pastors need encouragement and they need friends like you do. Um, pastors are just people and the church is full of broken, sinful people. Now, that doesn't make the hurt easier and it doesn't make it okay, but it's true. Hurt people hurt people, right? And I learned in that situation that I walked through the biggest takeaway, God, why did you make me move to Louisiana for two years? The biggest thing that I walked away with was I will never treat people the way that they were treating people. Like I learned that in that moment. I learned all the things not to do and I, I hope I never get to a place where I treat people that way. But it got to a point where I had to remove myself from that situation. Like we had to, we had to get out of there. I had a panic attack and a seizure one Sunday after church because of the stress and the toxic environment that we were in, right? It, it, was a, it was a terrible situation. And so even after moving out of there, I, I've had to seek uh, some, some therapy, some physical therapy, because stress and anxiety just does weird things to your body. So like, like it gets real, right? I had to remove myself from the situation. I had to seek out some therapy. I needed to heal. But the Lord in his kindness had plans for me to find the sweet people of Second Baptist Church in the middle of nowhere, Arkansas. And here I am, right? <laughs> And so, listen, you may need to remove yourself from an unhealthy situation, but you can't remove yourself from the church. 
You can't. Like, it's such a popular thing right now, dealing with church hurt, and everybody has a church hurt story. But Jackie Hill Perry actually says this, and I like it. She says, what helps you heal from church hurt is the church. So I would encourage you, if you've, if you've dealt with something like that, lean in further. You may need to separate yourself from that situation, but the church, the capital C church, is the bride of Christ, and he loves his bride. Imperfections and all. Ugliness and all. And so should you. Right. So bad leaders twist truth. Bad leaders hurt people. Number three, bad leaders are selfish. Bad leaders are selfish. Look at verse 11. It says, her, her leaders issue rulings for a bribe. Her priests teach for payment. And her prophets practice divination for silver. Basically, everything they did was for the benefit of themselves. Everything. They were selfish. And this is really what it all kind of comes down to. Bad leaders only care about themselves, which is the antithesis of leadership, right? A leader exists to lead people towards a common goal. And so good leaders exist for the good of others. But too many leaders today have just kind of drank their own Kool-Aid. They're a big fan of their ideas, their expertise, their wisdom-filled tweets, and everybody else needs to hear what they have to say. Everything they do is for themselves. Everything they do is to build up their personal platform, their personal brand, their personal empire. They're selfish. And what makes it worse in this passage is that leaders who do all those things in the name of God. Look at verse 11 towards the end of verse 11. Yet they, they lean on the Lord saying, isn't the Lord among us? No disaster will overtake us. So they're twisting truth, they're hurting people, they're selfish, they're, they're using the Lord's name to build up their own personal brand and empire and God is not for it, right? This is like those people posting their little Bible verses and, and devos every morning on Facebook and Twitter, but they're extremely rude, they're hateful, they're people who are just full of themselves, they're gossips, they destroy every relationship that comes near them. But they do it all in the name of the Lord, right? And so bad leaders are terrible and we shouldn't support or follow people who do those things, but leaders who do these things under the banner of Christ is disgusting. And God is not fooled and he is not pleased. Is there anything worse than people who claim to be followers of Jesus and then hijack his name to elevate themselves? They use his name to, to twist the truth. They use his name to hurt people. Those are bad leaders, and we should not follow them. We should not, right? Because those things are the opposite of who Jesus is. He doesn't twist the truth. He says in John 14, 6, I am the truth. I'm the way, I'm the life. So he doesn't twist truth, he is the truth. Jesus doesn't hurt people, he came to rescue hurting people. He's the opposite of selfish, he came to humbly lay down his life for others. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, God of all creation, who spoke it all into existence, comes to this earth, humbly lays down his life, and dies a criminal's death for you and me. He's the very definition of a humble servant. 
and he has every right to be the highest leader that should exalt his own name, right? But he comes to this earth and he humbles himself for me and for you. And the offer of the Bible, the the good news of salvation is that we are broken and sinful people. And on our own, we hurt people, we're selfish, we twist everything just back for our own glory and our own gain. And the good news of the gospel is that Jesus came to this earth to save you from all that. And he offers his life so that you can have life. And if you don't know him, the offer that is extended is that you can confess your sins, proclaim him as Lord, and he will save you, Romans 10, 9 says. So I wanna encourage you, do that this morning if you haven't. But in Jesus, we have the perfect model of humble leadership. I want you to turn your Bible over to John chapter 13. It's not gonna be on the screen. I want you to see this, this picture of Jesus and how he models a completely different kind of leadership for us than what we're used to and maybe what even we're drawn to, right? In John chapter 13, Jesus completely flips our idea of leadership on its head. In a rented room, celebrating the Passover with his disciples for the last time, Jesus shows us what real leadership looks like. See, it was part of their culture in this time. Like they, they walked on dirty, sandy roads. And so whenever they would um, come into a home or, or take a meal or something, it was common practice to, to wash your feet. And typically what would happen is the, the lowest household servant would be the one that would wash everyone's feet, right? And what we're gonna see here is, is kind of crazy. Now, before we see it, I need you to understand verse, verse three. I need you to understand how crucial it is that Jesus knew exactly who he was in this moment, that he is savior, that he is king, that he is Lord, that he is God. Look at verse three of chapter 13. Jesus knew that the father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God and that he was going back to God. There's no misunderstanding in Jesus's mind on who he is and what he's come to do. He knows that he has the highest seat in all of heaven. But, but then in verses four and five, he does something crazy. Jesus stands up, ties a towel around his waist, fills a bowl with water, and he starts washing their feet. Knowing who he was, he stooped to the lowest form of service, and Jesus shows us what true leadership looks like. It looks like serving and loving people. And then he says this, look at verse 12. He says, follow my lead. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, do you know what I've just done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're speaking rightly since that's what I am. I am, I I am above you, right? So if I, your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. 
See, he flips our idea of leadership completely on his head. And scripture talks about that the, 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 the last will be first and the first will be last. Like this whole paradigm, this thing that we live in in his world, his kingdom is different than ours. If you wanna be exalted, you actually serve. You bend down low and you serve people and you wash feet, right? You love people. And so we follow his lead, but it's important for us to understand that he's not just a role model that we try and look up to. He's the image that you and I as Christ followers are being conformed to through the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't possess the, the good in us to just start following his example and doing this, but through the Holy Spirit working in your life, you're being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And what he does is he loves people and he serves people. And so the application for us this morning is this. Don't be a bad leader. Don't follow a bad leader. And I guess finally it's follow Jesus' lead. Like if I could just encourage us in, in whatever sphere of leadership that you're in, maybe in your home, maybe in your job, um, maybe in a volunteer role, whatever it may be, seek to follow the leadership of Jesus and the way that he models it for us. And do one of my favorite verses in the Bible, this guy named John the Baptist who had a big following. A lot of people followed his lead. And he says in John 3.30, he says, no, no, he, talking about Jesus, must increase and I must decrease. So if you want another leadership lesson, follow that one. That everything that we do is to exalt the name of Jesus, not ourselves. We don't twist the truth. We don't hurt people. We serve people. We're not selfish. It's not about us. It's about him. He must increase. I must decrease. This world is desperate for good leadership. Christians who actually look like Christ in how they live and how they lead. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.